Good evening. How's everyone doing this evening? Coming out of winter, it's not as cold anymore. Hopefully uh, you were here uh, maybe last Sunday. We had an, uh, a really good ce uh, celebration, a service, a GTA Zone gathering. Pastor Bill had a very, very in empowering and encouraging message. And uh, we are going to do this next March as well. So if you were not here last Sunday, uh, next year you can catch up. Basically, uh, all the Nazarene churches in Toronto, we came together and we celebrated and we just had a wonderful time. Tonight, uh, we are going to talk about uh, compassionate people. We are going to talk about how we can be compassionate. And um, it just, uh, it's good to know. And obviously, we know that our God, our Heavenly Father, is compassionate towards us. He takes care of us. He provides for us, and uh, He delivers us from, uh, from, from all the problems and challenges we face. But that's not enough, that we have a compassionate God. Uh, we have, uh, we ourselves, we have to be compassionate people. Amen. So tonight, uh, if you have a Bible, please open it up. We are going to read Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to verse 24. And... Uh, um, I, I'm only going to talk about these couple of verses tonight. Uh, every time when I start reading God's Word and I, I look into a couple of verses, I think like, oh, it's only a few verses, but as, as you dig in, you find so, so, much, so many truths, so, such a deep uh, uh, Bible verses that you are like, oh, wow, there's so much to learn here. There is so much to, to chew on. And uh, that's why uh, tonight we're only going to talk about these five verses, but they're just so powerful for us. So as I said, we are going to read Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse, uh, verse 19 to verse 24. And this is what the Bible says. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Paul commends uh, Timothy. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for, not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I found out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we are so honored that we can read your word. Heavenly Father, your word is so powerful. And uh, we are so blessed that we can read it. And Heavenly Father, I just would like to pray that this evening that you would talk to us, that you would communicate to us, you would connect with us through your word. We believe and we have experienced that you are able to do that. And we are here with expectations that you would talk to us and you would teach us this evening. Please bless your word. Please bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So... Uh, here we can see in this situation that we see Paul, who was the, the biggest and best uh, church planter. He met with Jesus Christ. He accepted him as his Lord and Savior. And he was traveling around in the Middle East, in Eastern Europe. And uh, he, was, he was spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And in the process, he was planting churches. 
And as he would go on, he would usually, he, he would not forget about those churches, but he would send letters back and see that, oh, I miss you. I wish I could be there with you. I wish I could help you in the problems the, the church is facing. And that's certainly the situation here. But the good news is that as he was traveling around, he never traveled alone. He always had someone with him, and he was teaching others the, to do the job what he was doing. So one day when, when Paul is not around, that others would be able to carry out the work of spreading the good news about Jesus Christ. So in one of these verses, we can read that uh, this is what it says, like father like son. It's a verse 22. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. Well, it's important for us to know that back then when the kids were growing up, they didn't have the opportunity of choosing what will be their profession or what they're going to do. You know, today we say, okay, you are in high school. What do you want to do after high school? What is the profession you would like to do? Well, back then, whatever was the, the family business, as the kids were growing up, they were naturally growing into that business. They saw what their parents were doing. They were helping with, with whatever business they had. And then slowly, they would work themselves into the business. And then later, as the parents would get older, they would take over that business. And Paul, as a church planter and as a disciple maker, he saw this idea and this system, and he saw that, that it, it was working. So he said that as I'm going to make disciples and as I'm going to build my team, I'm going to use the same system. So that's why he's bringing Timothy and then others with him, creating a team, creating a habit, creating a system where others first, they were just watching what Paul was doing. Later, they were helping him uh, with, with spreading the good news. And then later on, Paul would just step aside and then let, let them do the work. So, uh, and then Paul is saying that this guy, this Timothy guy, he's the best, you know. Uh, I'm going to send him, and he's going to help you, and he's going to take care of things for you, and uh, I just can't go right now. Do you know why, why Paul was not able to go to this church? Well, he was in prison. And when you are in prison, you cannot go anywhere. That's the whole idea about prison, Right? So Paul is in prison, and uh, he really would like to go to this church. In the, uh, and uh, he, was, he was longing to, to go and help, but he couldn't. So he said, I'm going to send my best guy from my team. And again, he's going to look after you. And this is what Paul says about Timothy. Basically, he says that Timothy genuinely cares about your welfare. And I, I really, really like this. This is the... This is the first thing that Paul says about Timothy. And it's interesting for us and important for us to see that as we are taking a look at disciples and us as disciples of Jesus Christ, one of the most important things as followers of Jesus Christ that we look out for others around us and we have to have genuine care about other people and their welfare. And I really like this word, word welfare because um, it's not really just talking about helping with money, but helping with everything. What everything surrounds the people around us. We have to look out and we have to see who is in need and how we can help. 
But before we, we get to this um, in more in details, uh, first let's uh, take a look at verse 21. This is what it says. Verse 21 says this, and all the others care, care this is what Paul says, all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. So Paul is reminded the church that many people look out only for their own interest. Many people look out only for their own interest. And Paul reminded that church back then that you have to, you have to remember and you have to be mindful of that. Well, guess what? Not much has changed in a couple thousand years later, right? If we look out and if we look at the society we live in, we can kind of summarize it in three words. Me, me, me. People just only look for whatever is beneficial for themselves. They, they think that, okay, they are in the middle of the universe, and, and uh, this is what really summarizes our society today. People say that, I want everything. I want everything faster. I want everything cheaper. I want a better quality for less money. I want to price match, and if you don't price match, I will go to the other store and I can blackmail you with this. Because in the whole mindset is we are in the middle of the universe. And I have no problem for saving money, but sometimes I feel that we really go out our way and we put ourselves in the middle of the universe, then, and, 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 and it's just not a right mindset, but again, I don't have no problem for saving money, okay? I don't want you to go home and say, you know, Pastor Yoni is just wasting money. No, I don't. But I, I have a problem when our mindset is not right. And um, so, yes, but I, I want to caution ourselves because it's really easy for us to say that, oh, people out there, People in the world, they only, they only care for themselves. Well, guess what? I believe that uh, this is a reminder for all of us in the church that we cannot just only focus on ourselves but others around us. Many times I hear it that, oh, at this church, I, just my needs are not being met. I am just not feeling the pastor's preaching tonight. I heard that, oh, I don't like the music. I don't like the song selection. I don't like this and that. And, and that is, again, just a bad attitude. I believe that the me-first attitude may very well be the route of the division in many churches. Because when people only look for themselves and what is good for them and how the church can just help them, that's the, that's the start. That's the beginning of the division in the church. And that's when we're going to have different teams, the new teams, the old teams, the, the casual guys, the, the older folks, and whatnot. But we have to be mindful of others, and we have to try to find a good balance. Uh, the me-first attitude is not working for the society, and it's not working for the church. And we have to watch it. And I'm not saying that we, we are not going to have any problem in the church if we have this attitude. But I believe that we can prevent a lot of headaches and problems if we, uh, if we don't have this me-first attitude. 
And rather, we should ask this. Ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. And when you ask yourself this, and you try to bless your church and support your church, then guess what? What goes around comes around. And as you are helping your church, I believe that God will bless the church and the church will come around and help you in other ways, in many ways you didn't even imagine or you, what you, you needed. And that is just so awesome. Amen. You know? Ask not what the church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the church. And if the compassionate goes around, if you show compassionate towards the church and towards others around you, it's so awesome to see that God will find a way to bless you. And then you will look back and say like, wow, what just happened? I was looking out for others. I was trying to be helpful for others. And then God just really blessed me in a way I, I, I just didn't even expecting it. That And that's just awesome. As you serve church and God, God will minister to you in an amazing way. Can you say, mm-hmm? So we see that, that God's way is stunningly different in contrast to the world's way. And that leads us to the second idea here. This is this. Compassionate people have genuine concern for others. Amen. Compassionate people have genuine concern for others. And that's what we can read in, in, uh, in one of the verses here in the section is that Timothy had genuine concern for others, for others' wel welfare. And that is just so good. Love of God and neighbor are central in Jesus' teaching. If we take a look at the New Testament, we see that many times people would go to Jesus and they would say, Hey, Jesus, I'm kind of lazy. Can you just please tell me in one sentence what is, what is this whole thing is all about? And Jesus would say, Okay. I mean, I see that, see your point. You, you just want the one sentence answer. And I am sometimes like that. I like the, ones, the short answer. Just give me the bottom line, you know? I don't care how you're going to fix my car. Just tell me the price you're going to charge me, right? I just want the bottom line. So anyhow, we see that many times that people would go to Jesus and, and say like, okay, can you summarize what's going on here? And G Jesus would say, Love God and love others with all you have. And then people would say, that's it? That's, that's simple. And then Jesus would say, like, is it really simple? It sounds simple, but it's, it's a little bit actually difficult to live it out, to live God and others with all you have. But Jesus says, do this and you are good. If you do this, you are truly my disciple. If you do this, you are truly a follower of mine. Love God and love your neighbor with all you have. And that is just the central of Jesus' teaching. And it's not just a request or like, oh, maybe, or if you want, if you feel like doing that. You know, Jesus never says that. He says, if you want to inherit the, the, uh, the opportunity, you want to have the opportunity of going to heaven, you know, you have to love God and love others. And that's when we see that Jesus is trying to shift He's trying to shift the attitude, the me-first attitude, to the someone-else-first attitude. And that's what he's trying to do. And that's what he was trying to do and he's doing today. He's trying to change our mindset and says, you have to have genuine 
care or concern for others. I really like that Paul is using this word genuine because it just means that we really can't fake it. God sees your heart. He sees your motive. Sometimes I believe that we try to do good things. uh, And in our mind, in our back of our mind, we are thinking, oh, I hope somebody is looking at me. I hope God is seeing what I am doing. And I hope something good for me will come out from this. But that's never a good motive. And, and again, we have to have genuine concern for others. And that's how it will work. And that's how it will be a blessing to us and to others. We cannot fake it. Without genuine love of neighbor, the Christian life is a counterfeit version of Jesus' life. Amen. Without a genuine love of neighbor, the Christian life is a counterfeit version of Jesus' Jesus's life. What happens when you go to a store and you pay with a $100 bill? Somewhere they they don't even take it anymore. But where they take it, they put it under a lamp, right? They check it. They are like, hmm, it's a, it's a big bill. Maybe, maybe this guy just printed this bill this morning and he just wants to use it at the store. So they put it under, under a light and they check it if it's genuine or is it counterfeit or is it it's fake. So basically they put it, they have a little test there. They test it and see if it's real or not. And I believe that our, our, our compassion towards others are sometimes tested. God provides opportunities around us. God would say, here's an opportunity for you. What are you going to do with that? Are you going for it? And if you are going for it, then how are you going to go about it? And God is testing your compassion towards others. He is checking if it's genuine or not, because compassionate people have genuine concern for others. And when you are checked and, and you are good, guess what? God is going to bless you again, and what goes around comes around, and, and it is just awesome. And we have to show the same compassion what God has shown to us. I mentioned this before, but uh, God is a compassionate God who, who, who provides for us, helps us with our, with our physical needs, with our spiritual needs, with our, any kind of needs we have, not just with money and not just with physical things, but He provides for us in so many different ways. And we have to have the same compassion towards others. We cannot just help with our money. We cannot just help with our time. We have to take a look at, okay, what are the people, what what do they need the most? And we have to try to help in that way. That's God's way, and we have to always try to do the same with God's compassion. And also not just in, in these ways, but I believe that God's compassion is like, because God is love. He, he longs and He wants to help us and He wants to show compassion towards us. And we have to have that the same way towards others. So basically, when we see the need, we can't not to help. When you see the need, you just can't not to help. Meaning that you, you, you have the same compassion what God has for people. And that, that's the real and that's the genuine concern for others. Compassionate people have genuine concern for others, just like Timothy. And and, and that is the plan, and that is the idea for us. The next uh, uh, point number three is that we have been chosen and empowered to be compassionate. 
I really like it that it's not just we are chosen, but we are empowered to be compassionate. Amen. When God is, is telling us to do something, when God is telling us to change in, in several ways, or God is leading us towards this or that uh, life area, He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to say that this is what you should do, and you can figure it out on your own. He is never like that. He says, this is what you should do, and in the process, I will be beside you. I'm going to provide, and I'm going to uh, empower you, equip you for whatever need for, to get from point A to point B. Sometimes God's showing us that, okay, you should do this, or you should be this. And then I, I'm thinking about, like, God, how is that possible? It is just, it seems like an impossible task for me. How can I accomplish all this? And guess what? I, as I look back, I always see that, yes, God, many, most of the times, don't show us the whole process, but He would always show us the next step. And then He would provide for that next step. And as you are in that next step, another door opens up, and then you are like, okay, now, now I see where we are going, God. And then as you are living in this process, you look back and you are like, wow, what an incredible story. What an incredible way of God providing me in this process. But it's so good to see that he doesn't just say, do this or be this, and you will figure it out. He's there through the Holy Spirit in your heart. He's working in you. He's empowering you. And he's just giving you all the tools and everything you need. And as I'm thinking about God and how He's empowering us, it reminds me really uh, of, of one situation with my son. My son is five years old, and uh, he's now trying to learn how to bike. And I could just tell him that, okay, Yoni, here's the bike. You go and figure it out. Do you, know, do you think that he would be able to learn how to ride a bike without any help? I am, I am behind him, and I'm running behind him and trying to hold the stick so he wouldn't fall. And I do that, and in that process, he's learning step by step. But if I just give him the bike, he would never, ever learn it. And I believe God is doing that in the same way. You know, we are chosen to be compassionate. We are also empowered, and God is supplying us, and God is providing us. He's not going to say that, okay, go and be compassionate, but uh, you don't have anything. He's, he provides you with, with a certain amount of things, energy, time, and funds, and from that, you can show compassion towards others. It's, not, it's never like you have nothing, and then God is asking you, okay, you have nothing, but you should, you should, you should be generous with others. It's never like that. He, we always have enough. We always have more than enough. And from that, we can show compassion towards others. And he always provides, and that's awesome. I found this quote, and it says this, A candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. When we are blessing others, when we are helping others, we think, we think with our mind is like, oh, I have, to, I have to give up time. I have to give up energy. I have to give up funds. But again, we see the idea that how God 
is, is just going around and then replenishes everything you gave up and everything you sacrificed and show compassion towards others. And then at the end, you end up with the same amount of stuff you had and some, many times, most of the times, even more. And you are like, wow, that is just incredible. That is just crazy. And, and God is working in miraculous ways and he empowers us. And he helps us to, again, to show compassion towards others. And with this power, we should wake the curiosity and eyes of the world. When you are compassionate, that looks weird today. Because people are like, why aren't you just keeping the money? Why are you just using that time for your own benefit? Why, why would you be generous? Why would you do this? And... And, and as you are doing this, you are basically uh, giving a testimony of God's compassion towards you. Because God first showed us compassion, and then whatever we have, we give it away, we, we pass it on. And when people see that, we kind of point everything, again, back to God. And, and people will see, oh, wow, that's, that's good. In this way, we can be contagious. People will catch, catch the, the idea. People will see that, okay, there is something deeper here. There is something important here. And that in this way, we can be contagious because, because compassion is caught and not taught. We cannot just say like, okay, there is a need. You will go and take care of it. We have to lead an example and we have to tr try to do our best and when other people see that then in that way you know they will be taught and they, 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 will, they will catch the idea because compassion is caught and not taught and and that is just amazing and it's the same in our families our children and our grandchildren they are watching and we have a, a huge spiritual impact on our children and grandchildren, even if we recognize it or not. Many times I hear the parents say that, oh, the children's pastor will teach my kids. Oh, the Sunday school teachers, they will teach, uh, teach my grandkids. Guess what? The children's pastor and the Sunday school teacher only sees your kids and grandkids for one, two hours in a whole week. And I'm not saying that they are not doing an, an, an incredible and very important job, but I believe that we as parents and grandparents, we have a huge spiritual impact on our children and we don't recognize it sometimes. And as we want our children to be compassionate, but we are not, then guess what? Our children and grandchildren are not going to be that because compassion is caught and not taught. You cannot tell them, oh, you do this, but you are not doing it. And it's very important, again, as we are passing on the idea and the system of being compassionate. And at last, but not at least, moving on, the season of Lent is the perfect time for recalibration, centering, and examination. I want to encourage you to consider taking an inventory of your attitudes, actions, and postures towards others. This is the time before the, the big week, you know, the Easter and Good Friday and Palm Sunday. This is when we spend more time of preparing ourselves and um, spending more time of reading the Bible in the Lent season. And this is the time when we can take a look at our lives. 
and see, okay, in what areas do I have to give up? In what areas can I be more helpful to others? How can I show more love and support? And how can I be a blessing to someone in my life? And what do I need to sacrifice in order to achieve that? But we have to check our attitudes, our actions, our postures. How, how, are we, how, how do we connect with people around us? And when you do this, and when you prayerfully take an inventory of your life, I believe that the Holy Spirit will reveal you areas. And the Holy Spirit will reveal you opportunities where you can show compassion towards somebody else. This Lenten season, I encourage you to be like Timothy. Be a, a person who is looking out for others and show compassion. And I'm going to leave you with the verse where we can read about uh, Timothy. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. Amen. Amen. Tonight and today is the first Sunday of the month. And at, at every first Monday, uh, first Sundays in each month, we celebrate communion. And tonight, as we are going to celebrate communion, we are reminded of the compassion Jesus has showed for us. Because of his achievement on the cross, because of his resurrection on Easter, we, we are so blessed and we are so empowered and we, 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 we are so strong and uh, with Jesus Christ that one day we can, we can be resurrected with Jesus Christ. And this little piece of bread and little juice, just a good reminder for us that Jesus has shown compassion towards us. So as, as we are celebrating communion tonight, I want you to, to be mindful of that, to be mindful of Jesus Christ and all he has done for you. This is what our manual says about the Lord's Supper. The Lord himself ordained this holy sacrament. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and wine, emblems of his broken body and shed blood. This is his table. The feast is for his disciples. Let all those who have with true repentance forsaken their sins and have believed in Christ unto salvation draw near and take these emblems and by faith partake of the life of Jesus Christ to your soul's comfort and joy. Let us remember that it is the memorial of the death and the passion of our Lord, also a token of his coming again. Let us not forget that we are one at one table with the Lord. Amen. You don't have to be a member of Rosewood Church. You don't have to be a member of the Nazarene Church. The only requirements we have here tonight, that you believe in Jesus Christ, that He is your Lord, and His body was broken on the cross for you, and His blood was shed for you on the cross. And through this, if you have experienced His touch and His mercy and His forgiveness, you are welcome at this table. We are going to sing some songs, and you can come forward, receive the elements. Please return to your seats, and after everybody is served, we are going to partake together. You can have two options. We have the sealed cups, and you can um, remove the, the top part. You can find a little piece of bread and juice, or we have the, the open cup options. As we sing, you are welcome at this table. Please stand.